I just had this, my own internal fear that I couldn't delegate or she wasn't ready for it, or I hadn't been clear enough in my description or prescription or whatever you want to call it. But no, she's smart. She's incredibly well organized. She's detail oriented. She loves the data and came back with something better than what I had asked of her. So it's, again, I think there's some good lessons there of surround yourself with good people and nine times out of 10, they'll come back with something better. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another episode of Strategy in the Virtual Controller. My name is Damien Grayshead, my co-host. Her name is Penny Breslin. And Penny, looks like, where am I? The Aurora Borealis. You're in the Aurora Borealis in the North Pole. (laughs) Well, as you can see, not really, because as soon as I... Anyway, and you're sitting in the very updated TARDIS, it would appear. Yes, the newer version of the TARDIS. Yeah. What about putting the 1960s version in there? Then I could go with the 1970s version. In the 80s, well, the 80s and 90s, it kind of failed. And then in the 2000s, it came back. And then the reboot. Yeah. And this is our second episode with videos. So as you can see, we've made a little bit more of an effort. Well, no, well, Penny Penny did a... I know. A don't make those faces, Penny. No, your background was great last week. Mine was just blurred. And I watched it back earlier this week. And I was like, oh, Damien, I think you really need to up your game on the background stakes. So we're going with Aurora Borealis today. And we'll see how that flies. And we'll see what happens. But ladies and gentlemen, Strategy in the Virtual Controller, all about helping accountants and bookkeepers build intentional businesses. We're seeing a massive growth in the CAS space, client accounting services, client accounting advisory services, whatever you want to call it. We've been talking about these things for 15, 20 odd years about the role that an accountant and bookkeeper can play in small business. But to do that, you have to think about your organizational structure. You have to think about your service mix, your team. And so this podcast is dedicated to helping you do that. So Penny, what's happened this week? How are the new hires going? Great. (laughs) Great. I just, at first I thought, oh my God, am I pushing too much on them? But every time I give them something, they come back with something I didn't think of, didn't expect, and better and fresher ideas. And it's like, God, I'm loving it. It's great. (laughs) And (laughs) that surprises me, Penny, because you are quite process driven. You're quite having the steps documented. So the idea that people come back with something better or first and foremost, that you're worried about delegating, because again, you are very process driven, but then also that people feel comfortable coming back with recommendations and improvements. Well, the company changed over years. I mean, nothing's static. And mm-hmm. the apps have changed over the years. And a process that I wrote maybe four years ago, there's a better way to do it now, incorporating other apps. And also, because the company changed in size, mm-hmm. there has to be a different way of looking at things. There's now more people involved. And sometimes you have to break something apart to and bring it back together again to make it look better and it was one of the reasons why I wanted to hire other people it's because I felt that I needed that so I told them when I hired him everything is on the table if you want to look at something here's access to everything you need to have and you tell me if you have a better idea for instance just this morning I was on a zoom call with a client and this is a direct client, not a CPA firm, the CFO. And he needed special types of report 
that had to look differently for different people in the company. It kind of collected the same data, but you know, when I was in college, okay, short story. When I was in college, I had my minor in geography. And one of the classes I had to take was cartography, which was cartography is making maps, you know, map making. And back in those days, you still had paper maps. This is even before MapQuest people. So I had a class called cartography. And one of our assignments was you took a six degree map and then you had to write an essay about that area, a six degree area of a particular part of the world. And so your first stop was to go to the library, pull a six degree map, which is about this big, and take it out of the library, check it out. And then you had to study it. And you had to study the land. You had to study the infrastructure, if it was on there, the roadways, the utilities. You had to study the legends. You had to study the water, everything about that six degree point of longitude and latitude and write an essay about it. And I thought, you know, I could bullet point all this stuff, but write an essay. So I went to the professor and I said, oh, I don't know, write an essay. He goes, yeah, write a story. And I went, a story? I don't know how to write a story. And he goes, listen, just go home and have a couple of drinks and I'm sure it'll come to you. <laughs> I laughed at him. I said, really? Is that what you're telling me to do? He goes, yeah, go ahead. So I went home and I went, okay, what am I going to do? I went to the liquor store. I went, All right, I'm going to buy a bottle of scotch. So after two shots <laughs> on the rocks, I was three sheets to the wind easily. And I sat down and wrote my essay about this piece of land in Texas. And it's interesting because that taught us, that whole process was we had to break areas of the map down and write about every particular section on a map. So all of that data, whether it was the data from the land of the roads and how the houses were built, because you could tell by the map, you know, where people lived on this map because of the roadways. And, you know, you saw cul-de-sacs and you went, okay, if there's a cul-de-sac, you knew that particular subdivision was built during the 1970s because the whole idea of cul-de-sacs was started in the 1970s. So you had to write that into your essays. Or if you saw dotted lines of blue versus a solid line of blue, you knew that water was inundation water. So that water only came in during times of heavy rains or heavy precipitation of any kind. Otherwise, it was a dry spot. So you had to write about that. But each of those areas was unique. Whereas typically, when you look at a map, a map is thematic. Because what it does is it pulls in that whole thing that I just described. And it's a larger portion of a map, but it focuses on one thing. So I can have the same area with all the same data. But this theme on this map is water. So the focus is water. The information on the map is more detailed about the water, but you still have all the other parts of it that are affecting the water that are in that map. Well, reporting's kind of like that. So that's what the meeting with the guy this morning, I'm sitting there going, so you want a commission's report that when you look at it, you see it this way, but when the head of sales looks at it, he wants to see this data. And it's all coming from the same information. But you both want two different themes, right? Now, that's the way we build maps is themes. It's the same data. It's all being pulled from the same place. But the reports that each of you are going to look at 
of having you focus on two different things. He's looking at, he needs to report to his salespeople what their commissions are going to be. You're looking at, I need to see what the commissions are based on the contracts that are sold and why isn't the money coming in on the contract that is sold, right? So those are two different views of the same information. And we're going through it and we have a reporting app that we integrated to the QBO. In this case, it's a QBO file and how we pull the data out to report the sales. And all uh, the only thing we ever had to do was report to him. Now we have to also create a report for the sales manager because they're getting overriding commissions now. This is a new thing that they're doing. And so we have to create two different reports out of the same data. And so we kind of worked on that and we had to pull information out of their payroll reports and push information into the payroll also. And recorded, did a couple of scenarios, sent it over to one of my new employees, actually two of them. And I said, take a look at this and tell me what you think. And three hours later, one of them came back and said, I have a better way to do this. Do you want to talk about it? And I went, absolutely. <laughs> Show me a better way of doing this. And sure enough, she came out with a better way of doing this. And unfortunately, it looks like because I've also had her on the job of looking at a new app that does KPIs. And she said, we may have to change that reporting KPI. And she goes, and actually, I think they're going to like it better. So. Yeah, nice. I mean, I think you always worry when you start to delegate things. And I think a lot of listeners will probably have experienced that. And probably for a lot of listeners, that's what's actually limiting their ability to grow is their willingness to delegate and their fear that if you don't do it, it's not going to be done correctly or alternatively. And I think this is where I sort of fall over. If I haven't documented it perfectly and if I haven't been crystal clear in my expectations, then there's the chance that they may screw it up. And if they screw it up, then they're not going to be willing to come back and have another go or or alternatively, I'm not going to be prepared to let them have a go. But what I sort of realized is particularly I've been on the road for sort of four weeks and without letting people go and, and do their thing, everything grinds to a halt. And I've been pleasantly surprised 99 times out of 100 that that when you do let someone go and, and do their thing with some instructions, some guidance, some feedback, yet 99 times out of 100, they come back with something better than what you expected. And I was sort of reading the report that she put together and I was like, oh, shit, I didn't actually think of that. I didn't run that calculation. I didn't have yeah. that. And, but that's actually really interesting because when will we close the gap? We've, there's a gap, which... I mean, that's great, but she then took it to the next level that said, based on the data that I've got, we expect to close the gap in week 42. And that for me was, I was like, oh shit, I didn't do that. And then, so that was sort of four weeks ago, she started doing that. And then lo and behold, last week was one of the weeks that she anticipated one of these gaps to close based on the data. And I was over the moon to read it in the report that as anticipated, as predicted, this gap closed. Next gap to close will be on week 43 or something along those lines. So again, I just had this, my own internal fear that I couldn't delegate or she wasn't ready for it, or I hadn't been clear enough in my description or prescription or whatever you want to call it. But no, she's smart. She's incredibly well organized. She's detail oriented. She loves the data and came back with something better than what I had asked of her. So it's 
again, I think there's some good lessons there of surround yourself with good people and nine times out of 10, they'll come back with something better. And think about the reason, at least I know that you work in a logic company, so you already have a team, but for somebody who has an account, and frankly, as much as I balk against it, I do have a bookkeeping firm by accident, but I do have one. <laughs> but I also have this outsourcing company. But it's like you hired people because you had too much on your plate. And at least that's what you do. I mean, you work until you get to the point where you can afford to hire somebody as well as need to hire somebody. <laughs> and, and you do that. And the thing is, the one thing you recognize over and over again is, you know, it's not the first time I've built a company I've had to hire employees. So I mean, I was well aware of it, is that you have a lot on your plate, you have a lot to think about. And if you think that you can be that detailed in every single aspect of running a company and still manage everything in that detail, then you're doing yourself a great disservice. I knew when I hired them that I was hiring them because even if I didn't have the money, I was going to come up with it because I could not maintain all the information by myself and give the good quality service that I want to give to my client customers. So my expectation when I hired them was that they would eventually get to this point. I was just lucky enough to get two people that got there very quickly, you know. But I think a lot of that has to do with also I told them up ahead of time. I wanted yeah. them up ahead of time. I had another conversation. This is where I'm a contractor for somebody. And they asked me to put together a presentation on that we're going to be doing in a couple of months, I think, on integrating apps. What's the value of integrating apps? How do you integrate, you know, build a tech stack for us on the webinar? And then, you know, it's kind of like a app integration 101 for a bunch of QBO accounts. And you know, I told her when I sent the presentation over to her and two of her other people, I said, now tear it apart. Believe me, there's no ego involved in this because I did this in isolation and I don't know the level of what it is that your group that wants this. I don't really know their level you do. So, and they did, they came back to me and they said, oh, those were things that we hadn't even considered. And then in two points, they said, I don't think we can go into that deep of a dive with these guys. So, you know, so, I mean, in both cases this month, this week, it was, we can't do this alone. And the other person had good information to come back. And then the third meeting was just the same thing. But in this case, it's a company that they do, they assist businesses that have government contracts and getting them to bring control into their back office and into their finances. And they called me and we had a Zoom meeting and they said, we've got this company, they're in QuickBooks Desktop. We wanna convert them to QBO. And right now they're at 4 million a year. They just got a contract that's gonna bump them up a couple more million annual. And they're gonna need this kind of reporting. They're gonna need these kinds of functionalities. They're gonna need, this kind of where can you fit in and do in the back office work and stuff. And so, you know, we're going, okay, what's the third party application here? What's the payroll? You know, all that stuff. How would they all integrate? How do they talk? And then they said, so what part do you play in this? And I go, 
well, we can do this little piece. I said, but you're going to have to have somebody who works at this company who can manage all these apps. Who does all of this. Yeah. Who does all of this because you've got several hundred employees and somebody's going to have to onboard these employees because they're going to be touching the apps that eventually feed in to the GL. So in order, and I said, and don't think that you're going to get these kind of reports out of QBO. Use QBO as your financial reporting and use the apps around it to get that kind of managerial reporting. You'll combine all that information. You'll get that, but you're going to have different themes going on. You're going to have a six degree map of everything, including QBO, a six, and then, but you're going to have thematic maps for different people within the company who are going to need different information at different times. So you're going to need somebody who can coordinate that on site. Because you can have employees out there with mobile apps that are going to be feeding information into this data. And so think about hiring that person if you don't have it in this company. And I think if you're an accountant bookkeeper that wants to get into this client accounting and advisory services, the the virtual controller, the part-time controller, part-time CFO, something that's really important there is there's a series of set reports that come out of every financial accounting software. The likelihood of your client actually being interested in any of those reports is probably minimal. So sitting down with the client and finding out what are those different lenses that you want to look at this data so that the data is all in this one location, but we're going to have to cut it, dice it multiple different ways, depending on the type of information we want to see. I was presenting roadshows in Perth this week. And this is QuickBooks Online, and I'm sure there's the other applications have the same capability, but it was basically that this performance center, which allows you to, to drag and drop the reports that your client wants to see. So rather than just printing off all of the reports, it's about identifying what are the key things that the client wants to know every day that they log into the system or every week that they log into the system and, and building that for them. And obviously QuickBooks Online and accounting packages will have a certain series of reports and that's yet you'll have to complement that with another reporting type software to do that. But the whole thing is actually you can sit down and you can print off the P&L, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flows and lob those over the fence to the client and sort of dust your hands to say, I've done a good job. Or alternatively, you can sit down with your clients and actually say, what is it that you want to know? We have all of this data. What is it that you want to know? What do you need to know on a daily basis to know that your business is on track? And I, th- I think that's a really powerful role and valuable role because, again, once you sort of, I, I hate to use the phrase, but once you sort of teach a business owner to fish, so to speak, they can sort of feed themselves with this type of information. And, and I think that reporting side of things, great opportunity. You, your clients, they know their business but they just need someone to surface the data that they're looking for from all of these disparate sources of information. And I think if we are thinking about that virtual controller strategy and the virtual controller, the data controller, the traffic cop that we've talked about so many times, this is a perfect role for you or perfect opportunity for you. Well, and you might be teaching them to fish, but they might turn around and say, you've got the fishing pole, keep doing it. I mean, that's kind of, you know, why... I was so excited that, you know, Megan came back to me with, hey, I watched the video because during the Zoom video, when the client said, and I need this, and I, I go, okay, we're going to do, and I would stop and I go, okay, this is specifically for my team to listen to. And because they know that means that I'm kind of stumped and I'm not sure that what I am, I know there might be a better way. 
And I know I don't have the only answer. So it's like, okay, guys, they need this. I'm going to, he said it his way. I'm going to say it my way. I'm clicking through it on the screen. Now you find a better way to do, or give us an alternative in case there is a better way. So I always kind of like, well, I'm doing these Zoom meetings. I go, okay, ladies, listen to this part. I'm just going to reiterate this, what he just said, because one, people learn in different modalities. People hear things differently. People say things differently. People understand things differently. And sometimes you need to ask a different way for them to explain it differently. Yeah, yeah. And like my daughter, when she was a competitive figure skater and she was trying to learn how to, she was little at the time. She was probably about seven or eight. And she was learning how to do her backflip, you know, jump. And she was doing the sauerkraut. She was doing the lutz. She was doing it. She couldn't get the black. She couldn't get the back. She couldn't get the back. And her coach, and she was crying. And this is going on for weeks. And I'm going, coach comes up to me and goes, I have an idea. And I said, what? And I'm going, now, more money. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she goes, I would like Maggie to go have a session with Diane, another coach that was at the ice room. And I said, fine, that's cool. And I talked to Maggie and Maggie's like, is it because Kim doesn't want me because I don't know how to do this? And I was like, no, I have no <laughs> You know, just go out there and have it. And she goes out there on the ice and Diane talks to her for about two minutes. Maggie goes out, lands the flip. And she comes off the ice and she's all like freaked out. Like, is Kim going to think I don't like her that I need a new coach? And like, I know. <laughs> Maybe you just needed to hear this from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that taught me a lesson that, you know, one, you're not the only mind in the room Two, you hire people to help you let them help you and three there's more than one way to skin a cat but immediately once we show the these clients this is how you can do it and i was showing him something because at the same time he was messing up payroll part of the reason we weren't getting the reports correctly is he was doing his own payroll and he wasn't tracking commissions as commissions he was putting it in as gross pay and so I showed him how he could do that. And he goes, is there any way you could just take this over? I said, well, I just showed you how to do it. You've been running the payroll regularly. He goes, yeah, but th-, he goes, you know what? If you know how to do this, could you just do it? So just because you show the client how to do something and you show them how to fish, that doesn't mean they're going to keep the pole with themselves because frankly, they have a lot of other things on their plate to handle too, just like I do, right? I mean, I got a thing where I had to go out and do some kind of marketing, write some kind of marketing blurb that my SEO guy said he wanted. I have to run payroll today. I have to set up a new onboarding client. Those are things that I have to do. My team has the time to do this other stuff that the clients, the actual clients we do have really want. So it's not a matter of giving things up. It's a matter of expanding your footprint and your capabilities. And hopefully growing your business that way, I would think. Something that I really liked. No, 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 not at all. Something that I something that I really liked that you said that's less related to sort of reporting and all that type of stuff and more related to process, but you record your Zoom meetings. You've got otter.ai doing the live transcripts. And during your meetings with clients, you call out things, ladies, listen to this. Or can you say that again so that the team really understands it? Can you say that in another way so that the team better understands it? Like, I think that's 
quite fascinating because for me and a lot of client meetings that I've sat in on, it's just go, 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 go. Nobody really comes back and clarifies anything. Nobody really, and someone's furiously taking notes, but here is an actual robust way in which you can leverage technology. Even in a face-to-face meeting, there's no reason why you can't start up a Zoom meeting and just so that the recording capability is there or whatever it is or otter.ai, but you can actually see and hear and slow the conversation down and and really point out to people who are listening, who are going to be doing the work and implementing and executing, what are the key points? What's keeping the client up at night? What What are we trying to get to the bottom of? And I don't know, I think that's just a fascinating way because Again, I've seen most firms or business meetings, a series of notes are taken, a whole page of notes are taken, then that's given to someone and someone else has to make sense of it with maybe a 10 minute preamble beforehand and sort of, and then go do. Whereas, look, here's the meeting, here's the transcript, couple of really important things, but I've asked him to call that out, have a listen, and then let's have a chat to make sure you feel comfortable and understanding things. So again, I think setting the team up for success, it's not difficult. And I picked up a couple of tips there. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to call those thoughts out. Well, thank you, because I was just, before we started this podcast, I was just creating a Slack message to everybody because I got a call from a client today that said, I don't think that they're understanding something that I asked them to do. And I'm, oh, and I'm going, I'm listening to her going, yeah, you're right. They did not get that and they should have. And then I thought, okay, who's your team leader? Oh. I know it's gone. And basically, we had had lost a long-term employee due to a medical issue and a new her assistant had to step up. And so I'm writing a letter to a trainer and going, could you pull her in and take her through team leader training? I don't think she's had the time to gone through the training that she needs to move from being a preparer or somebody who does the task as opposed to somebody who oversees and manages the tasking and then reviews it before it goes back to the client. And I think she's struggling with that. And she's really good at what she does. That's why she was given the job. But I think she needs a little extra oomph. So, you know, everything changes. I think that that's part of it. And and the idea that you think you can set something up for yourself internally and or set something up for your clients, if you are growing and your clients are growing, then every procedure qualifies for being reviewed on a regular dynamic. Yeah. And the apps are changing too. That's part of what this presentation is going to be with Kim Fiedel. She asked me to do this with her and it's like, she goes, well, what even, I said, well, you know, realistically tell me what apps you want to talk about because this app does these three things and this app does these two things, but of the three things over here, it does two of them. It just doesn't do this one part. But the GL will do that one part. So you tell me, you know, it's like these apps are ever changing. And so whatever we do, let me tell you right now, we could write this and we could make a tech stack. And I'll tell you what, six months from now, that tech stack have to be totally different. I must admit, that's probably one thing that is most frustrating to the accountants and bookkeepers that I speak to. They're like, I built this, but then we're not quite getting what we thought we would get. And so, yeah, I think that's actually something that's really important is the technology changes and evolves and functionality within apps improves and declines relative to other other applications. So it is, unfortunately, it's not a case of set it and forget it. You know, I think six months, probably 12 months, 
would be maxed that you'd want to sort of let a technology stack sort of go un, unchecked or unreviewed. You're checking it because it's integrating to your GL constantly. Well, as far as reviewing it, whether or not it's giving you the results you need based on where that company is at that time. Because if yeah, the exactly. apps change and the company changes, those are two different dynamics going on then. Right. Or if the app doesn't change, but the company does. Yeah, so yeah, right. so you, you've got to, you, so, so it's not that it's, you've got to, but is it the right tech stack for where my client or where the company is, is now? And I think that's probably the key thing. Well, which is why I always say you've got to have that one person, like even with this company that contacted me that they're not going to do any bookkeeper accounting. They're looking for what's the best tech stack? How do we put it together? How do we present it? And then Who's going to take care of which parts of it? And that's when I said, you're going to have to have somebody on site who just manages this part of it. And I said, and they're going to have the relationship with the vendors of the app, the actual support teams on these apps. It's real critical. You need to, and I said, you need to check to see the validity of what's their burn rate of that app. (laughs) You know, where are they going in their future? You need to have somebody who has a relationship that can keep track of it. And then how do you extract the data if you have to change? So how does the data come out of it, you know? But I will say this, and this is a shout out, and I don't always shout out about apps because that's David Leary and Blake Oliver's job (laughs) to do over there because they're getting paid to do it. But on two occasions this week, and one especially this morning, that impressed the hell out of me. And I just want to say thank you to RelayFi. And in the time that Yosef and, and Jeremy spent with a client of mine who he had a concern, part of it was the S- SVB. So it was a matter of we were changing his RelayFi bank from 1.0 to 2.0. And He was being pressed by his board of directors on what to do with the money in their accounts is kind of piling up and, you know, should they invest it in treasury bonds or or do something with it? And I will say this to Relay 5, that was a very scary conversation for me to sit in on because I kind of prompted it by accident, but they were very nice to come on board and talk to him about it and actually get his opinion on it. And I mean, they really did care about what he had to say and listen to him very well. And I think that, you know, I mean, I think that when you can have that person in your firm have a relationship with the app port is because you got multiple things going into a GL and who's responsible. Ultimately, you know that you're the one who's going to get hit with the call from your client. Mm. So protect yourself. Yeah, it reminds me of a firm up in Canada and... I think there were two partners just starting out. I think either their first hire or their second hire, and certainly before the entire team became five, they had a dedicated technology person because everything that you just said to not only managing the connections, onboarding clients and training clients, reviewing the technology and making sure that it was still suitable but also as you just said developing that relationship with the actual provider so that when something does go wrong you've got a great relationship with them and you can get the support that you need quickly if you think about those i think i just rattled off four or five different things there's no way that you mr or ms mrs partner of the business owner of the accounting firm can do all five of those plus clients plus team plus whatever, that's a full-time job. 
So I, I think, and again, a lot of people fall into that trap and hang on, this person's got to be billable, but actually no, because it's if the technology is not working, then the team can't be billable. And if I think that's a really important piece there is if you actually look at the capacity in your firm and building the capacity, it's not just billable hours capacity, but it's the whole management of the technology, management of the client experience, and also just making sure that you've got really great relationships with your providers. And I think that since November, more and more of us, I don't know about you, but I'm playing with ChatGPT, not probably to the extent that like, Jason Stats is playing with it, or Blake Oliver has. I mean, those guys are really rocking it, but think about it. I mean, here's an example. Have a client that came on board with us, a firm out of Austin, and she has a client she wants us to work on. And, you know, she goes, they use, in this case, they're using QBO with Jobber. And Jobber was not, the way that that app integrated was not giving them what they needed in QBO. And they contacted Jobber and they have a really good relationship with that company. And that company was very, very helpful. And they said, you know, we can make some changes. And what they found is that they have an IT guy. They have a guy who just does what you just described for them. And he's really good at Airtable. So he's taking the information out of Jobber and he's putting it into Airtable where he can manipulate it to go into QuickBooks the way they want. So they keep Jobber because, frankly, the company needs Jobber. It needs all its employees on that. But it doesn't need all its employees in QBO, but it needs some certain data. And so because of their recognizing the issue and because of their relationship and their and their technology person being able to talk to the folks over at Java, they were able to successfully make that work for the client and become heroes. And this business is going to go gangbusters because they just they're going to like quadruple their money this year because of some things that have occurred down there. And I think it's great. I think it's great that they're thinking along those lines. They're really hyped on making sure that everything works together and that there's somebody who's making sure that all of those little robots are going in the right direction. And Penny, even to come full circle of where we started this conversation, that someone in the team has the space but has the space to think creatively about that, to be like, okay, here's a problem that our client's having. Here's the technology that we've got. I need space to think about how we're going to solve this. I need to talk to the suppliers. I need to talk to my app partners, et cetera. Again, there's no way that the partners in the business, the owners of the business, the accountants in the business, the staff accounts in the business have the time mm. or space to think creatively like this. So again, I think the creating that capacity within your firm, creating that space within your firm, critically important because as you said, the client's going to quadruple. Imagine what the results for the accounting firm are going to be. So that's pretty impressive. And Penny, maybe that's, I, you sort of, I was a bit worried because you mentioned ChatGPT and I was like, oh shit, wait, that's a whole nother episode. And maybe I know, that's actually, I know, I would not even, I use it for different reasons that. No, 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 no. So maybe that's the next episode is how are we, you and I using ChatGPT and how are we seeing accountants and other industries using ChatGPT and not just ChatGPT, but the whole suite, because I think that's the really exciting thing as well and really yeah. interesting thing. But maybe you could use it to write that blog article that your marketing firm was pestering you for. You use ChatGPT to write that blog. Oh, that oh I did. <laughs> oh, you did. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Do you think I have flipping time to do that? 
What's that use chat GPT for it? Perfect. Right. I think we've got our next topic for us because actually, you know, I've been sort of saying, I think I'd love to do an episode on marketing and branding and all that type of thing. And I think chat GPT is a great way to help help oh, yeah. get going on the marketing side. So let's put a pin there. Let's leave it there, Penny. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed today's episode, if you've enjoyed seeing our smiling faces in, in, the, <laughs> in the TARDIS or in the Aurora Borealis, please do write a review for us or leave us a, a rating on Apple Podcasts, etc. And if you have liked it, please, please do go and share it on your social media profiles. We love more listeners like you, but satvc.co is the website. You can find Penny and myself on LinkedIn. Moneypennyllc.com is Penny's website. So please don't be a stranger. If there's anything we can help with, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank you very much. See you, Penny. Thank you. Bye-bye.